This podcast is not for the easily offended, victimhood enthusiasts, or those who take themselves too seriously, namely cyclists, conspiracy theorists, personal trainers, and other fanatics. Your Hobby is Shit is a nerd-free environment which strongly discourages dickheads from listening. Authorised by Sean Woodland for Your Hobby is Shit. Since day dot, humans have invented, inadvertently stumbled across, or tried to discover passions and stuff they're good at by having a go at hobbies. We might use them for pleasure, health, fitness, to combat loneliness, or to distract us from reality, all in the hope we can find meaning in our lives. Hobbies can be bizarre, addictive, psychologically revealing, and sometimes even beyond ridiculous. But, whatever your hobby, chances are, it's at the very least, a little bit shit. So listen in and prepare for your hobby to be exposed. I'm Sean Woodland, host of Your Hobby Is Shit. Take two. Yes, as usual, as soon as I started speaking, the dog opened the door and fucked off, so I'm I'm on my second take of this beginning. Greetings from your host, who has only over the past seven days become an extreme hypocrite by entering the insidious and vacuous realm of influencing. Uh, You might recall that last week, listener John had promised to send me a pair of obnoxiously coloured Nike runners. And did he fuck. Much to the concern of my wife Lou, that I was handing out our postal address to strangers, even after I calmly pointed out that our names and addresses actually are in the phone book. A magnificent pair of runners arrived on my doorstep last Thursday. I'm now the proud owner and spruker of a pair of Nike Zoom X Vaporfly Next Percentage 2 shoes. Uh, Since its release in 2017, Nike's Vaporfly racing shoe has rewritten the record books. The results of runners racing in the thick, bouncy shoes speak for themselves. The five fastest men's marathons ever, four of the ten fastest women's marathons, and 31 of 36 podium spots in the 2019 World Marathon Majors have all been won using the shoes. They are, without doubt, the fastest shoe money can buy. Not that I bought them. Uh, well, they weren't the fastest shoe money could buy when I went for a run in them. Uh, in my defence, it was my first run in three years after I retired from hitting the pavement uh, when I was 49 due to abject boredom. Yet a break combined with the fact that once a hobby is in your DNA, it never leaves you. Uh, So yes, I missed running, I guess. Furthermore, I'm not getting any skinnier, and I'd like to challenge the belief that you can't outrun a bad diet. I'll tell you this for nothing. If you're ever going to outrun a bad diet, it's in a pair of these fucking night runners that you'll do it in. They're so good, they were banned uh, from the Tokyo Olympics and were described as technology doping. I, for one, couldn't give a shit. I put them on and just went for a gentle stroll around the house and felt like Oscar Pistorius. No, I I didn't want to shoot a beautiful woman. I I felt like I had springs on my legs and that I might fly through the roof at any moment. These shoes contain a carbon fibre plate in them. Now, I've been told by more people than I care to remember that I walk like a bit of a fuckwit at the best of times. I've got to bounce him a step. Uh, But the first 100 metres... Also, I've my first run in three years. We're uphill from home, and 
I felt like I was flying. Uh, sure, it all went downhill after that first couple of hundred metres, but I nearly made four and a half kilometres, all of which were done under five minutes, 45 seconds, and no vomiting, although I was sorely tempted. Turns out that you're not meant to train for a marathon in these shoes. They are just for running a marathon. Now, if that's the case, my black with fluoro pink and orange trim pair of Nikes might remain in the cupboard for the rest of my life or their lives. To think that I could have succumbed to, say, being an influencer and promoting alcohol-free or even beer that I'm yet to see a six-pack of. Uh, and when Nike fucking pogo sticks are the way forward for me. These are so good that Lou, the voice of doom, very quickly got over a concern about me giving out our address and began asking if John was interested in knowing her shoe size as well. To which I replied that John made it very clear that he couldn't give less of a fuck what your shoe size is, Lou. Now, John, of course, is the fine man that he is, desires no specific promotional response from me, which makes him one of those rare gems who does nice things without an ulterior motive. Uh, so what he does deserve is thanks, firstly for being such a good fella, and secondly for making me go for a run, although I wasn't particularly happy about it, about one kilometre in yesterday. Uh, but I'll be doing it again tomorrow. Good on you, John, you fucking champion. Letter writing is a uh, forgotten art, bit of a shame really. Uh, really is the same care ever taken with an email or text message as uh, the care that you apply when you have to convey your feelings on paper with pen in hand, uh, you'll be pleased to know that it hasn't been forgotten by everyone. Friend of the show, Luke Heggie, likes to leave cowardly threatening letters on car windscreens whenever he sees fit. And Dave from South Australia. You might recall from last week's episode, he engaged in a sword fight with his mate Knackers in an alleyway in what appears to have been a futile bid to impress a gorgeous television personality. Uh, but ultimately it became a calamitous disaster when an insect enters Dave's tinfoil mask and Knackers stabbed, stabbed him while he was otherwise disposed trying to remove the said insect. Anyways, Dave provided us with his account of the sword fight as a preamble to another of his favourite hobbies, that of writing sarcastic letters. I'll let Dave take it from here. Uh, following being stabbed and uh, getting his wounds attended to, Okay, here it goes. The next day, I had to take the fucking bins out because it's the only household chore I do. <laughs> My arm was fucking hurting when knackers had tried to kill me, but being a tough little nugget, I ploughed on in the Anzac spirit. Before long, I decided, fuck it. I couldn't be bothered hauling the bins across the laneway, so I left them on the other side instead, thinking that the garbologists wouldn't give much of a shit which side the bins were on. I could not have been more wrong. Dave received a handwritten letter from someone at the council. Uh, it read, Please remove your bins from Green Hill Lane. They are causing an obstruction. Thanks. The City of Unley. Uh, it'll probably come as no surprise to you that Dave couldn't just let that slide, mostly because he's a funny cunt who seems to spend a large portion of his time engaging in immature activities, of which all men, and most women, should be proud. Dave's pursuit of youthful joyousness should be a lesson to every miserable fucker on earth. Uh, Dave responded to his letter to uh, a guy called Stephen, who is a ranger in the city of Unley in Adelaide. 
Thank you for your handwritten note congratulating us for removing our bins promptly from Green Hill Lane. Usually such notes from councils are negative in nature and it is with heartwarming feelings that we receive this from you today as ratepayers. I must also congratulate you on your handwriting. I can only dream of being able to write as legibly, but I can type though. This was because when I was in year eight at school, I studied French and for the exam decided to write Jesus and Rockstar for every question in the exam. For reasons that still remain a mystery to me, the French teacher decided I had a poor attitude and sent me to do typing instead. The French are renowned for being a bit grumpy at times. As the only male in the typing class, it was a very happy year indeed, and I got to sit next to Margaret, I better not say her surname, a girl that I was infatuated with at the time, as she was entirely an early bloomer. Uh, Back on the topic of bins in Green Hill Lane, I have noticed that all citizens are not quite as alert as we in Rose Terrace are. I suspect they don't wait at 5am on a Tuesday morning for the rubbish truck, then immediately bring the bins in as we do. Once... I was so keen, I tried to wrestle the bin out of the robotic arm of the truck itself as it was being put down. As I am a firm believer in the sanctity of council regulations concerning matters of public health and safety. There are many others on Green Hill Lane, however, who I hesitate to describe as a bit tardy. And this pains me greatly to say, but I think May, from my budget, which is the woman that uh, Dave was trying to impress when he had the sword fight in the street, uh, she may be an offender. Look, and I'm a huge fan of Tammy May. She's a very attractive, intelligent, and has the voice of a siren goddess. I've secretly been hoping to meet her one day, taking in her bin from Greenhill Lane, but alas, I've never had the chance. All I've wanted to say was, I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> but she's never there waiting at 5am like I am to whisk her bins to safety. I've even inadvertently knocked a my budget bin over coming out of my garage and just between you and me was a bit slow in picking it up again as I thought she might come out herself. But again, alas, no. Well, thanks again for the note and keep up the good work as a ranger. I did think a ranger was someone who hunts grizzly bears, wild carnivorous antelope and other vicious predators, thus keeping populations safe. But I guess... That has been adapted over time to cover the topic of rogue bins that might throw themselves in front of innocent passers-by or even vehicles. I understand that bins are allowed to be at large for a whole 24 hours before needing to be brought in. This must make your job as a ranger a veritable nightmare, with these dangerous, hazardous and cunning bins waiting in the wings to do mischief, especially when empty, when they can move faster. Personally, I think all bins should be taken out five minutes before, then brought in within two minutes of them being collected, supervised by an adult at all times. The thought of them being at large and unsupervised unsupervised for 14.1 repeater of a week makes me feel truly threatened. So I'm gladdened that there are rangers out there such as your good self looking out for me, the average Joe. Kindest and warm regards and thanks again for the note. Dave. Stupendous stuff, Dave. In uh, and in true Dave fashion, there's a couple of other letters. Uh, I think we'll we'll uh, we'll get to them in coming weeks. Dave, you fucking legend. Being patriotic, I reckon it's a bit of a shit hobby, but I suppose it's it's all that some empty vessels have to hang their boring hats on. I'm always sus about patriots. All that jingoism is it's a bit like wanking on your own pillow, really, isn't it? I mean you. 
We all had fuck all to do with where we were born. It's uh, simply a matter of good luck or bad luck. But strangely, often the bigger the dump, the more patriotic the people are. As a rule, Aussies don't really give a fuck. No matter how much some wankers have tried to make January 26th special, for the most part, we just get on with living somewhere that's pretty cool. Most of us don't have to spend too much time convincing others of the beauty of Australia because it's largely self-evident and we're busy having fun, aren't we? Uh, The English, on the other hand, are so desperate to feel anything at all that they'll attach themselves to almost anything that's British, even their shit football or cricket teams. The British will even pretend that boring indoor activities like pool and darts are fun. But for as long as I live, I'll never know how or why they give a fuck about the royal family. Never has there been a bigger bunch of inbred cocksuckers who are next to useless who just won a birth lottery. There is so little genuine pleasure to experience for most of England's population that the country becomes more united celebrating the 70-year reign of a 96-year-old woman who has done next to fucking nothing all of her life. Uh, So much so that she may as well have been sitting on the porcelain throne all that time. The Brits had a four-day holiday last week to celebrate a woman who's had a fucking 96-year holiday. Like... If the royals' links to the Nazis weren't enough to turn you off, surely the fact that the most obvious outcome of having a royal family is to perpetually reinforce classism, that would do the trick. But no, the Brits have got so little to celebrate or feel good about that they go absolutely apeshit over a family that is nothing short of a financial burden on the country. Even the working classes and people forever destined to live in poverty get off on that bullshit. Absolutely incredible. And don't get me wrong, I love English people. I mean, I've got no fucking idea how they ever colonised anywhere. Have you ever seen how scared they are of fucking cockroaches? But that aside, I'm married to a Brit, and plenty of my best friends are British. But that self-indulgence and deification of some old bag is indicative of people who've really got no purpose. Even the claim that the royal family brings more money into the country than it costs, it it doesn't stand up to serious scrutiny. As for the tourism argument, people will still turn up to look at Buckingham Palace, whether the Queen is there or not, dead or alive. I mean, it's not like you get to fucking meet her anyway. You know, oh, hi, I'm Lizzie, oh, and this is my pedo son, Andrew. (laughs) People turn up to tourist destinations all the time where the people associated have been dead for hundreds of years. Jesus Christ. England, just fucking grow up. My voice uh, might be a bit shit. Um, this Well, it might always be a bit shit. But uh, oh, me and the kids got our uh, flu shot on Monday. Yes, come at me, you anti-vaxxer dickheads. And uh, I've been sneezing ever since. So I might either sneeze or just be sounding shitter than normal. Speaking of the kids, though, they're very brave getting their needles. Uh, But over the past two weekends, both of my kids have shown more ability than I did in 20 years of playing Australian rules football. A couple of weeks ago, Boris kicked three goals in a quarter, something I never achieved once in fuck knows how many hundreds of junior and adult games. Then last weekend, the young fella Sam did the same, including one after a run and a bounce, and then the third 
from the boundary. A goal that was so good, he had the best case of proud face I think I've ever seen. The last goal was incredible, and his coach and teammates started calling him Eddie after the brilliant goal sneak Eddie Betts, who retired from the AFL last year. What a fucking pat on the back that is. Uh, Now, the fact remains that not a day goes by when I don't resent my kids. So in the pursuit of fairness, well done to both of them. Some other good news here. Some arsehole in the trucks fucking revving it out the front. Uh, my fat head has finally been immortalised in a stand-up comedy special. Uh, unfortunately, not my own special, but this one was the next best thing. Uh, when Luke Heggie recorded his 2021 show Low Breed, he did it, recorded it in 2022, a couple of months ago at the Metro Theatre, I was in attendance. And as only Heggie can, <laughs> he went through the footage and found a shot me standing up during the middle of the show to go and have a piss. Uh, I can assure you, in my defence, I was eight beers in and it was better than the alternative. Uh, No doubt he doesn't feel quite as bad for dropping that bit of 4B2 on my head when I helped him dismantle his stage afterwards. I'll uh, I'll put a screenshot of that up on social media at some time. I'm finally on a stand-up special. Fucking brilliant. It's Victim of the Week. All right, on the back of talking about mental health stigma last week and the types of dicks we can be tricked into putting on pedestals as uh, survivors or heroes or people that want to bang on about the cause, only this morning I read a headline that screamed, Feminist writer, broadcaster and speaker Clementine Ford has taken to Instagram to reveal a dual diagnosis of ADHD and OCD. For those of you who don't know, the 40-year-old Ford is a deliberately provocative, combative, argumentative woman who can draw a fucking long bow with the best of them uh, to push her agenda. Essentially, she's a left-wing equivalent of Pauline Hanson, only more articulate but has chosen the path of extremism to push her quite unpleasant agenda. Uh, I also discovered that her dog had recently disappeared and she believed it was stolen. Uh, I wonder if she got enough self-awareness to contemplate that the dog might have just fucked off. Anyway, clearly this makes Clementine, Clementine, who isn't everyone's cup of tea, a victim. Uh, In another headline on the same issue, I learned that M. Rossiano and Abby Chatfield recently shared their own diagnoses. Uh, I don't know who or what Abby Chatfield is. I have heard of her name, nor am I going to Google her to find out. But I can hazard a guess that if she appears in the same headline as the notoriously difficult to work with Rusciano and the equally disagreeable Ford, she might be a bit of a pain in the ass. But clearly, all three are victims. Uh, but it is also worth remembering right now that two things can be true at the same time. Someone can have a condition or mental illness and they can also be a massive dickhead. The two things aren't mutually exclusive. Fuck me, I'm starting to wonder who out of the seven billion of us is going to be the last victim. When will it end? Jesus Christ. Radio hobbyists, I'm off to Gosford's Laycock Theatre. <laughs> Fucking so mature giggling at that. Uh, with the Sydney Comedy Festival Showcase this Thursday night. Then we head to Bathurst on Friday night. I guess there's a theatre there, uh, before finishing up in Katoomba on Saturday night. Should be very cold, and I'll be wearing my alpaca beanie throughout that trip, I'd suggest. 
many of you have shifted across to my new podcast, the one I do with Mick Meredith called Mad Dogs. It's a lot of fun, and uh, by God, it's getting better by the week. Uh, In this week's episode, I investigate a woman who had a sexual relationship with a dolphin, of all things. Uh, You'll agree that certainly qualifies as mad dog behaviour. And also, uh, listener Soob, who he sent in a brilliant story of a brilliant story of some mad dog behaviour that he and his mates got up to many a year ago, and uh, he's included some photographic evidence to support his prank, which will appear on our Instagram feed, which is what the fuck is it? Uh, mad Mad Dog Mad Dogs podcast. Get on board, Mad Dogs people. Anyways, I've got a couple of shitters to scrub. And a bit of floor to clean up. But there's a fair chance I'll be back next week with Your Hobby is Shit. Thanks for lending me your ears for another episode. All going well, I'll be back next week with current news and some harsh but fair critiques of more shit hobbies. You know where to find the podcast. Please subscribe to and share it. Or don't. I'll be okay. You can find Your Hobby is Shit on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Your feedback, suggestions and abuse are all greatly appreciated. And if you're, for example, the manufacturer of a great beer like, say, the Immortal Pale Ale and you're looking to sponsor an enlightening podcast, I'm open to offers. Thanks again. I'm Sean Woodland, the host, writer, producer, editor and complaints handler at Your Hobby is Shit. Uh, That's what the Brits need Start a fart group And you won't need the royal family